being a black woman was never my concern when I was in Nigeria, just so you know. <laughs> I did not know racism until 2016. I did not know being a black woman until 2016. Welcome, everybody. Welcome to episode 18. We have an exciting guest with us today, a friend, someone I've known for a couple years now, and I'm very happy that she's on the show. My name is Rose, Rose L.A. Kanachi. <laughs> Rose is a 40-year rehabilitation science PhD candidate with a research interest in childhood disability, global health, rehabilitation, and policy. She's a physical therapist and teaching assistant. Outside research, she enjoys reading novels, writing poems, traveling, and podcasting. Rose, welcome to the show. How are you doing? Thank you so much, Toby, and thank you so much, Larry. I am doing okay. It's great and amazing to be on the show today. We're very happy to have you on the show because I, I feel like when we started the show, there were a few people that we wanted to have on the show, and um, yours was one of the first names. Like, I need to get Rose on the show, and for one particular reason, <laughs> that oh, we'll yeah. get into at some point. <laughs> I agree. That's I think that's the most exciting one for me as well. I can't wait when Aww. we start talking. I can't spill it. It's all thing books, but yeah, we'll get there. <laughs> <laughs> I'm excited about this too because yeah. this is like, like I was like saying to Toby recently that like, yeah. this is like my first guest appearance on any podcast, so I'm excited to have this chat with you guys. I think it'll be fun. Yeah, but it's not your first time in podcast because you're an experienced podcaster, <laughs> and yeah, um... I, I'm probably gonna get you to share some tips with us during this show. Uh, nope. How long have we? Like... Nope. Sorry? How long have you been doing podcasts oh, for? Yeah. I have been podcasting since 2020, like the end of 2020. Is it December 2020? I think. Yeah. Oh. So it's been two years now. It's my third year. Yes, our third season on a podcast. Yes, it is. Okay. I feel like in podcasting years, two years is like ten years. <laughs> because there's so many. <laughs> Why? Because because there are so many podcasts. Like lots of them start and they just kind of disappear and so like if you've been consistent yeah. for two years or, or yeah however long you've been doing it i feel like that is that is a worthwhile experience especially for a medium that is this novel yeah true that the idea of editing recording yeah then you're just talking oh to you. yeah i feel like first of all i give you kudos for having a podcast alone if i had a podcast alone i don't know if it will last I mean, we never know, but <laughs> for now, if I was to be recording alone, I don't know if it would last because there's so many weeks I'm like, can we just move this week? <laughs> yeah. I'm just comfortable. No, I agree with you. Yeah. I agree with you. I get like that sometimes, but I think it's a medium for my therapy sessions. That's why it's still on. I guess so. I think at this point, I think that's why it's still on. Yeah. That's good. Very interesting. Yeah. Well, <laughs> outside of podcasting, you're a PhD candidate. And you've yeah. done some research around childhood disability. So I'm just curious, what sparked your interest in in childhood disabilities particularly? Why is that hmm. that you decided to spend a good deal of your of your life learning about? That's a very good question to me. Sincerely, I think as interesting as it might sound, my whole love for child disability and research in child disability started from when I was in Nigeria. And I said that because I used to practice as a physical therapist back home. And during my undergrad years, I used to see like a lot of patients with our supervisors. And I met this particular woman who has three children. 
and all three of them had a particular condition. They were like closely similar. It was like a condition for that. They call it Epps palsy or and Klumke paralysis. So basically, the arm. Because of birth, during birthing, they pull, like sometimes because of the presentation of the child, they pull the child from the mm-hmm. arm or pull from the neck because of presentation. The arm always either has a laxation, like the shoulders always lax and they have like a brachial plexus injury, like in the neck region, causing for a little bit of issue in the hand. So about two or three of our children, I think, if I'm wrong now, had this condition. And I got really I don't want to say angry. I got concerned. I was like, excuse me, ma, why is it that two of your children in the same condition? And her response were these impeding. I don't know. Now, then talk to me, I go see physiotherapist. And I was so concerned. I was like, I'm not understanding. Nobody explained to you what this is. Nobody's saying anything. I was like, and the doctor just talked, say, like, the doctor just said, I should come and see a physical therapist. I'm like, ah, that's not good. So, and I think then it was my third year, my my physical therapy program in University of Lagos and I pick up picked up that interest and said, I need to find out why and I, I noticed that that was a trajectory that people just had conditions back home and they just go and see the doctor, no conversation. And sometimes it happens again and again. And sometimes the way we think about spirituality, we get that something that's spiritual in exactly. Nobody goes to the root the, the root of the problem. Yeah. So I did a research when I was doing my undergrad for my project. I went ahead to find out what the knowledge and attitude and perception of childhood disability was among the women of childbearing ages. I wanted to know, like, do those people even know what child disability is? And didn't understand what this was all about. I did the research. I found out that our antenatal sessions, where they're supposed to actually do this information and all that, was all about just someone just talking to them for like five minutes. They do their blood pressure and they leave. <laughs> it was like a routine thing that people, some people don't even go for antenatal sessions. Or some people just say, yeah, we just go there and we just sit down to chat. Two minutes, just eat and we leave. Like no, no concrete information, no physical therapist is present. Nobody gives concrete information what exactly to expect when you have a child, just in case something goes wrong. That's one of the things that picked my interest in child disability because it was basically looked at differently. And in Nigeria, if you think about it, anybody that's on wheelchair are either people that don't have money or they're beggars at the wayside, at the roadside, not having a home or not living a good life. The only people that actually have disabilities and are able to live good lives that those ones who are from rich families who have the money to fly them abroad to get the care and all that. So I was interested in knowing more to see like, what can we do? How can we help? And the things I found out in research recently has really blown my mind. The fact that Nigeria actually has all these laws. The only problem is the policies for child disability and the implementation process. There's a big, huge gap in between, which is our problem. And that's why I was like, you know what? child disability i need to go into it and maybe like i, I always say it kind of change what it is like in nigeria like what it seems like what the face of it in nigeria mm-hmm. what's what's the difference because between i know a physiotherapist I, I, I have a friend that's what it practices so what difference in physiotherapy and physical therapy or is there a difference it's, there's no difference it's just a, it's just the language so okay. Somebody asked me this question recently too. In Europe, if I'm not wrong, and please guys, listeners out there, correct me if you're a medical professional, correct me if I'm wrong. They they, they refer in Nigeria, when I finished, I said it was physiotherapy. That's why I graduated. I would graduated with bachelor's of physiotherapy. When I moved to America, I had physical therapy. And when I moved to Canada, I had physical therapy. So basically, it's the Western culture, like North America calls it physical therapy, and in Europe, we call it physiotherapy. They're both the same thing. There's no difference. 
Oh yeah, that makes sense because you know American and British English, like you like the things they say, it's different. Oh, yeah. Like you know how they say yeah. schedule. Like some people say schedule, schedule. some people say some people mm-hmm. say schedule, like schedule, like some people say yeah. like it's actually different. Like some people say schedule, some people say schedule. Yeah, I mean, I know the difference when it comes yeah. to the language, like like writing or editing. If you're writing for someone in, in the UK versus mm-hmm. the US, or Canada, you have to mm-hmm. be mindful of that. Just small words. Yeah, yeah, the small spelling variants. But I, I wouldn't have thought it would extend all the way to like the career title. Yeah, it does. It's, oh, it's interesting. Yeah. In a recent manuscript I was writing, I, I was talking about politics in Nigeria, and I kept writing program as P R O G R A M M E, and of course in America it's P R O G R A M. Yeah. And like it was a it was a struggle. I kept struggling, and then one day my professor just emailed me like Rose. Pick one. Like, what do you want to write? Is it that you want to stick to Europe or you want to speak to stick to North America? I'm like, what is acceptable by the journal? Because I don't know what to write at this point. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean that. Yeah, but going back, I mean, just five minutes into this, that's you really. Sp- I don't think I've, like, I don't think I've, I've ever had so much interest into things like the way you just described that. <laughs> like, I'm like, whoa, like that's a lot of interest. But it makes sense because, I mean. You're talking about like, you know, motherhood or like childbearing in Nigeria and then what's done here, you know, it's, that piqued my interest as well. But just talking about Nigeria, what would you like, what do you, what's like right now our current state here, there's a big gap, makes sense. What's like our currency, like for people living in disabilities, like what do they do? Like what's going on? Like, is it that people are just in the hospitals, do they tell them anything or they just happen to see themselves that way and that's the end and then you even also talking about maybe do you want to expand on how you plan to like bring hope to change like the perspective of disability in nigeria because you also touch on like how spiritual things are which is i think we do a lot of things behind spirituality and it's so bad it is yeah i agree with you on that one but a quick what do you call that now statistic situation i kind yeah. of went had to go check it's like i think according to the is it unfapa 2021 like according to world population dashboard blah 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 yeah. it's estimated that 32 million people in nigeria including children live with one form of disability or the other now this could either be physical non-physical or the one that's known or not known or something that people actually talk about or not and it's quite interesting because in nigeria at the moment disability is not something that anybody's really thinking about i think our first disability policy or disability aligned oriented policy was published in 2000 it was one was 1993 and it was like 2010 that was finally put into place like okay this is it there was a 1993 one and in 2010 one other one came up which my question remains all these policies and things who is helping to make sure that those things go from things written in paper to things that actually happen to people with disabilities there are disability offices in nigeria there are offices that actually take care of these things, the offices that are actually are located. There's a children's parliament office that allows children to come and talk about things that affect them. But how many children do we know are actually on this parliament and taking care of these things? So in line with how we could, what the current state of disability is in Nigeria, according to the UN, Nigeria is making strides. Don't Just so I, I, I don't make anybody confused. The United Nations is an organized, it's a, it's a big platform where 
different countries are held responsible for different things as it relates to their country. Nigeria reports to the UN as much as possible under different portfolios and conventions. I, I literally just finished that manuscript. And when I read it, I get angry because I know they've written so many good things that they've done. So many great things. We've created this policy. We've, out of the social states, they've implemented these policies, these policies. And I keep asking, where are they? Like, I don't see them in physicality. It's all on paper. So the biggest issue in the current state is there's so many good things on paper for Nigeria, but there are no much of these good things in the physical realm of it. Which makes me, like when I think about my PhD program, what I'm trying to do is do my research and try to replicate it. Because of COVID, of course, a lot of things with travel research has been kind of put to stop at my university. But the current state is everything is still on paper and there's nothing really done in implementation state. Now, is there anything like me I can do personally or in my perspective is actually keep shedding light on this and bringing this conversation up. Uh, funny enough, I recently also found out that there's like a disability organization in Nigeria that helps to talk about all those things. They go for conferences, they go for all these things. I'm like, what are they doing to bring like life to people who have some form of disability? Yeah. And also in the world of Nigeria as a whole, how many of us in Nigeria actually can recognize that someone with a disability is human too? And should be treated as like how many of us would see someone that is trying okay our roads in general does he allow for wheelchairs to pass through our hospitals our banks our schools are they wheelchair accessible how will children go to the schools just so you know we have a policy that says that we have disability accessible schools in Nigeria. <laughs> who is lying i don't know where they are <laughs> exactly do you get like i read these things and my professors are saying but bro these things exist i'm like I am Nigerian. I don't know where they exist. Like, somebody is clearly lying. <laughs> no, it's not. It's, the thing is, they're just, they're actually, is this, no, they're not lying. No, like they're, they're lying they're about what they've done. Exactly. Yeah. They, they, I think what the issue is, they have this provision, yeah. but nobody's following mm, through with yeah. this provision to see that it actually happens. And it gives me a headache and just makes me cry. There's free education for people with disabilities. Huh. If you treat someone with a disability, yeah. If you treat someone with a disability wrongly, they are liable to charge you to court and they will win. But how many mm. people know that this exists? Like you just so, saying yeah. that now is actually, well, cultural difference is actually a very big thing because yep, coming to this part of the world, like schooling here, I would say that you saying it now, it just when it hits me that you we actually didn't grow up with being comfortable like with the idea of disability because it's not something that you see right like most people yeah. even out of like a lot of people consider it like people hide their children people are afraid to talk about certain things because of like that whole there's shame in it and then right, you come yeah. here and they actually open these things up to like everyone feels welcome people are considered and now I'm realizing that I've had to adjust and actually start seeing that these people are actually human beings as well. They have lives. You get, but we didn't even grow up that way. Makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely. I think the way I say it makes a lot of sense. I'm thinking about like people that you, you wouldn't, you would always kind of think of someone that has a disability in Nigeria. <laughs> think of them as less. They yeah. actually yes. it's sense that they are a bit beneath the average person. Mm. But I don't get that sense here, and I've never have gotten that sense here because whatever, like, regardless of disability, you have, like, there tends to be a provision that has been made that you can yeah. be able to, I think, like, still live out your life. You're crossing the yes. road, the road right there. There are parts that you have to, like, you know, 
this is this was someone with, with a cycle or someone if, if if it's a blind person. I remember being in school when I first came to Canada. I've been in school and I would see some of my colleagues, a few of them that are like they were living with with visual deficiencies and and they would have a walking mm-hmm. stick and there were parts for them to walk through. They kind of yeah. they had a special orientation for them as well. I would like show them around the school, the different paths to follow. And all of those things, right, made it feel like we're all on a level path, which we should all yeah. be. But I definitely think in Nigeria, I don't think there's that. I think there's a sense of like it feels so classism when it comes to. Oh God, there's huge classism in Nigeria. Yeah, yeah. interesting. I actually yeah. do feel so bad right now. Like I'm actually like I feel like oh my God, this is actually so bad. Like, yeah, we need yeah, to. Do, we did. Person, you don't yeah. think about. It. Yeah. Right. Yep, you don't. You don't. I actually do have a story to share around this. I just remembered. I mean, like, remember when I was growing up, like, I once we were driving, I noticed that as a child, every time I would go out and see, like, people that don't have or people that live on the road, I used to be so bothered. Like, I could start crying, which is weird. And so there was a time that we were driving back, and then we saw someone, I, the person had a disability. I don't know what had to do with the person's leg. I don't know. I can't remember. I was, I was like, maybe in primary school but and then we were driving and so i think my brother my junior brother didn't understand he was way smaller what was going on and so i think he was laughing like oh why is the person trying to walk and then they're like oh no stop and so we were asking my mom like oh what's wrong like why does that person like why is that person you know as kids you're wondering like why is that person locked not like us and i remember i think the conversation went in the direction of oh don't laugh or don't say anything because if you do that god can decide to give you like and like god can like it literally just put fear <laughs> God can decide to make you sick, yeah, or give you punishment. And I was like, so I won't lie. Like every single time we used to go out, when we see people that are like like have a disability or like there's something wrong, I used to keep quiet. Like, oh God, please forgive me. Don't put sickness on me. Like I'm not. And you talking about like, oh, and I don't know where my mom, my mother answered best of. No, it, I think it's just knowledge. Like when I, even I myself did not know so much about this until I, I finally moved. I had a keen, no, I will never forget. Some my classmates from uni will still remember this. When I presented my thesis, my undergraduate thesis, my professor was like, why are you, the HR department was like, why are you interested in childhood disability? What was so interesting about this? And kid you not, all I could say then, because everybody looking at me weird for my topic. I was like, I love children. That's why. And when I think about it, I was like, no, you wanted to do something different for someone so that a parent who has a child with disability would not hide the child at home, yeah. but rather bring the child out because they know that they have equity. They're able to send their child to school and all that. There's so many parents that are treated their children and they won't be able to bring the child to the hospital. Sometimes they don't have enough money or they can they want to stop going to work because they want to be able to give this child enough care and time. And that's one of the reasons why I'm also doing my PhD because that's like the cost of caring for a child with disability is expensive. Mm-hmm. And in Nigeria, cost of living already is difficult. Yeah. So all this knowledge is one of the things that made me say, well, nah, things has to change. People need to have equity. People need to have access to these things. I and mean, when you stick away from it's not, it doesn't have to always be spiritual. Mm-mm, it's not. Yeah. But yeah, I think it's just our culture and where we're from. Yeah, but yeah. No, but I mean, kudos to you doing something different thank you yeah i'm trying <laughs> kudos to you for taking it as far as phd yeah uh, do you enjoy school because i i know like for a lot of people an undergrad is just about 
enough school for them, mm. no matter how passionate they are about the discipline. But do you enjoy the academic experience? What is it that kept you going this far? Hmm. My first answer is no, I don't enjoy school. <laughs> as interesting as this might sound, I don't. But the truth is, you have to do what you have to do to get to where you want to get to. One thing about me is, like, my driving force is I love learning in general. Do I enjoy the politics of education and how it works? Not really. Like, even this speech that I'm doing, when I tell people that my first application rounds to 10 universities came back rejected, everybody screams. I was like, how then did you keep going? But it's just because a lot of things that I want to do hinges off on, the, like, the degrees that I get or the degrees that I have I don't know how to put I don't know if I'm putting the right way but I want to teach eventually I want to be able to change what education is like for students like myself so when I was in Nigeria I hated education like it wasn't the best. like undergrad year was one of the most <sighs> disturbing of it all because it wasn't it wasn't a great experience but somebody would say after all that you now still went ahead to do masters and now a PhD it's because I don't want any student to feel the way I felt when I was going through school. For school, me, school in Nigeria was more of either you fail or you pass. One of the two of them. Yeah. This was not about you would learn a lot and you would gain a lot of experience and you would go out there and do amazing. It was more of you don't know anything, you fail. But because I want to be a professor, because I want to make sure that my voice is heard about the things I want to change in Nigeria, I have to get. I need to be on that level where I can rub minds and rub heads with people that can actually change things. And to do that. I need to be able to match up with them. If I don't have a P- well, not really. If you don't have a PhD, it doesn't really matter. But I feel like as a woman, as a black woman in this environment, I need to have that degree, have that step to be able to stand there and change things. And that's why I do it. And that's why it still keeps me going. And also sometimes in school, it's just amazing. It's structure. That's what people stick yeah. to school for, but that's not what I'm speaking to school for, no. <laughs> yeah, no, I agree with you. School provides structure for your learning experience. I guess it's in some sense, it forces you to surround yourself with people that can actually help you, people that can give you the information you need to make the right connections, the right, yeah. build the right network that could be helping your professional life. So sometimes yeah, outside of does. school, you may not be as exposed to some of those things. <laughs> you, you, you mentioned something. You mentioned being a black woman in the society and maybe the need to further education to kind of stand out a little bit more. Don't speak a bit more about that, not just being a black woman, but just being a woman in general. And that sense of, or that, or that need to, you know, get that extra degree or that need to further your academic experience just so you can achieve some of the, the, the to attain some of the titles that your male counterpart may not, with, with lesser degrees or with fewer degrees we'll be able to attend it's, it's quite interesting though being a black woman was never my concern when i was in Nigeria, just so you know and <laughs> yeah. uh, I, still, I, gave a, I gave a lecture recently on racism in the healthcare context and in my department and uh, the students were asking me oh rose when you were in nigeria did you know i'm like i did not know racism till 2016 i did not know being a black woman till 2016 I did not understand the wiles of being a black woman in academia till I started my PhD. Well, no, 2016, too, because I I kind of was, I, I followed um, Ijoma Kola. She's like my mentor in the PhD world. I love her so much. And I stay hearing her stories and I'm like, oh my God, is that a thing? So being a black woman was something that I had to imbibe. 
it's it's it sounds weird i had to like you know when you said have to you have to absorb it like oh well this is your life now you don't have a choice you have to leave it it has been one of the most interesting things about academia is not the easiest thing there's a lot of competition there's a lot of things that you need to fight and when i say fight in sense of you need to prove yourself you need to show that what you're doing the the topic or the research you're doing is worth it you need to constantly do that but it's one of the most interesting things that i've come to realize that it's your fight it's your own it's whatever you're doing it's because you love to do it so stick to that and don't try to follow anybody if you can find a mentor one thing that kept me going is i found someone that knew what she was doing and kept clearly expressing how she how she went through this situation and that's the drama Ijama would not lie she would tell you i don't want to do a postdoc and before you knew it she was like okay i'm doing a postdoc but i don't know why i think i'm going to enjoy it and now she's an assistant professor and i'm like okay well if she could do it i can do it so i i found myself in a space where there's the wilds of a black woman in academia but do I, as much as these experiences are there and these situations are there, I've tried to tell myself that whatever I want to do, I can do it as long as I am interested in it. It's not like I'm doing it for anybody. I'm doing it for my, because I want to do this thing. I'm not doing it because of someone else. And I have a goal I want to achieve. And also, as weird as my sound, I also want to, I don't want to, I don't want, I want to also be the example to another black woman that comes into the field and needs a support system. I want to be that black woman that will support another black man who comes into the system, the academia world, and is like feeling like they're alone. I want to be that support for them if they need it, because not everybody needs a support system, you understand? So yeah, there's a lot of wilds and a lot of issues around it, but finding your own people and finding your own space helps a lot, I guess. I've rambled a lot, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, no. no, it's it's, a, it's a, this idea of like womanhood and then black it's it's going to, it's a conversation that I would, I would say is here to stay for a while. No, unfortunately, fortunately, I mean, unfortunately, because like as you said, I, when we were like we went out this morning, our way back, I was telling him that this is something I never really used to think about. Like I never yeah. thought of the fact like I'm black. Like that was like growing up. It's like oh yeah, I'm a black person, and then there are people that are like oh are Caucasians but it, I never saw them as different from me I never saw myself yeah. as different from them it was like yeah we're all human beings right and then coming to this part of the world and then now in the past I would say two three years it's becoming conversation more and more and it just sometimes it feels defeating to feel like on we like we women when you put in so much hard work like how you're you're forging your education yourself and then all that comes back is oh maybe because you're a black person then they gave you Ugh. it feels very defeating like i would yeah like through. it's like i've put in so much hard work it's not because like i didn't learn because i am a black person i learned because i enjoy mm-hmm. it like i have passion you get um exactly. i'm smart i'm brilliant and then when you make me feel like oh you bring me into a room because i'm a black person like Honestly, to fill the quarter. Yeah, to fill it's it's really it's really sad, and I I wish they could change that because I don't want to have to lose it on somebody one day. But it's it's because I know that there was an <laughs> I know it's true because there was an argument around the same thing with Kamala Harris when she became vice president, and that's why people yeah. people people call her rude. And I don't, and I don't blame her. Even she, if she, she doesn't even care that people call her rude. But I remember she tweeted back at someone. She said, "I'm not vice president because I'm black. I have degrees." She said, "My degrees yep. are probably even more than yours. Like I've worked for them." Mm. And I remember her putting it, and then people are like, "Oh, she's so arrogant. She's rude. She's that." But then when a man does it, 
it's like oh no nobody cares yeah so it's it's really heartbreaking when i know yeah you attach our some conversations i don't like having but yeah it's it's heartbreaking <laughs> you know, i had that i had a conversation with the student recently <laughs> and I, I remember telling the student that see i i would ride that wave of i'm giving if you, if you want to give me the quota of i'm the black woman in the room so i'm giving that opportunity i'll ride that wave and when when push comes to shove i'll tell you that yes even though i wrote this wave because of the quarter i have the degrees i have the knowledge i have the experience to do what i'm here for i'm not here because i'm just riding a wave of quarter yeah. i'm here because i am needed for this position i am needed for whatever whatever this whole thing we're doing is and that's why i'm here and not just because i'm a black woman yeah. It's quite interesting though. Ugh. Like it's one thing to be a woman in our generation and it's one another thing to be a black woman or a woman of yeah. color yeah. in our generation. Yeah. So I, so yeah, like I know that with scope, like PhD students, like I mean, if I remember clearly as a PhD, like as a student in undergrad, like they used to be like teaching assistants and all of that, like for like PhD students. And so I can mm-hmm. I know that you do teaching assistant, like yeah what's your favorite part was the least part i know you want to be a professor like that means you really enjoy teaching so how long do you see yourself doing this for and how has like teaching assistant actually helped you in that part of okay i I want to still be a professor i think the most fulfilling part of my phd program so far is my teaching the teaching piece of it like the most fulfilling part and i think the my favorite piece of teaching or assisting as uh, as a professor, assisting other professors in the university is the part where the the students come in the first day of classes and they're like, or the first day of the semester and everybody's freaking out about the course because they're new, maybe they're like first year or second year students or they're in their penultimate year and they're like, oh God, oh my God, it's a new course. Oh my God, this new professor. Oh my God, this TA, like, oh, ah." Is it going to be good? They freak out the first week or so, and they're so anxious. And the last day of the semester, they're coming to you and they're like, thank you so much for a great semester. I really appreciate it. It just gives you this joy that all that worries they had during the semester, you were able to alleviate it throughout the semester. And at the last year, at the last month or last day of the semester, they're feeling good. So it, it gives me so much joy when I see students come the first day and at the end of the semester, they're good. Or when they feel like they failed, they come back and they're like, you know what? I actually did it. And like you you told me. So yeah, that's my favorite part of teaching. But the least favorite part is grading. I don't like grading. <laughs> I don't enjoy grading papers. And when I become a professor, that's what my TAs are going to be doing. I apologize <laughs> to my future TAs out there. I love you so much. I would do my best to make sure you get a good recommendation letter, but you will grade my papers. I don't like it. And I also don't like when students come to hassle and haggle for yeah. grades. Like... You submit you you grade their papers and submit to them and they come back and I'm like, Hi Rose, we need to talk. I don't think I enjoy the grade you gave me. I'm like, oh. and they come with good points. They will come and they'll tell you, I don't think the zero point five you took out from here was worth it. I don't think this I'm like I don't enjoy that piece. Whenever I grade papers and I submit it, I'm always dreading the meetings that I have afterwards. So that's my least favorite part. And I see myself going far with it. Hopefully knock on wood, fingers crossed. I know people listening to me there who are either PhD students or professors out there, they're like, there's no position. But me, I feel like when I'm ready, you know, to get my position as a professor, the, the positions will come to me and I'm not going to hassle for it. So, yes, I am looking forward to it. And I also, the reason, my biggest reason for all of this teaching and being a professor is because I don't want students to go through school thinking that they're not worth it. And I went through school a lot 
feel like I was nowhere to do in my undergrad. And yeah. undergrad is like the formative year where you decipher what you want to do with your life and all that. And throughout that year in University of Lagos, I felt so much like nothing because it's either someone was telling you only 10 of you will pass this course or only five of you will pass or repeating the whole year of the university for no good reason. Yeah. It was just so much mess everywhere. And I remember we were 60 in class when we started the university. In our third year of our my physical therapy program, we were 60. And this professor comes to class and she's like, in Yoruba, she says, ethic body, you part too much. Uh-uh. You guys are going to be 20 something before you graduate. And believe you me, we were 24 when we finally graduated. My colleagues who graduated with me will remember that. And that's like, a spiritual was- problem. <laughs> we're 60 or we're 40 something i know we graduated half the class eventually in our final year what happens just and it was just discreet or what so they either because the the, yeah the passing grade is 3.0 every school year so you have to have a 3.0 to cross the next year so people that don't get it either fall out of chat and there was this huge strike that happened one time that happened a couple of my classmates left to the u.s they were like, you know what? In their final year, they were like, you know, bye-bye. Ah, shame, we're not doing anymore. And they left. So it was kind of interesting. So, yeah, I don't want any student to go to undergrad feeling like that. I want them to go to undergrad feeling like they're worth it and they actually gain knowledge and are ready for the world out there and not just mm-hmm. through school. Like, I beg, I want to just get this done with. But, yeah. I don't like the Nigerian system. I don't think nope. that's a calling of mine. So I'm actually very happy. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm happy to see someone who is actually willing to go there. Even outside of undergrad, like coming from high school there and then coming to the system. It's I, I remember a counselor of mine in school told me that I wouldn't make it. How would you tell an 11, like, like a 13-year-old <laughs> child that? You know, and Ugh. I broke down and I remember I started crying and she called me, oh, I'm not trying to cost you. No, you just said something negative to me <laughs> and you're telling me, you know. After that day, I never ever went back to that woman's office. And then that's just secondary school and then you plant such seeds. So, yeah. yeah, like, so you're right about like that system in Nigeria. It's bad. But then hearing you talk about like grading and all of that and if I was a teacher, if I were to be a teacher, I feel like I'll be very emotional. I'll be crying with my students <laughs> because... I'll pass everybody. <laughs> like once they come to me and they tell me I'm not okay, I'll just pass. I'll start crying. Yeah, I don't think I took advantage of that. I didn't either. As much as I should, probably should have when I was in school. What do you mean take advantage of? Like going going to back to my props and yeah. arguing the point for a better grade. I, I should have I, done that more. That was not. I didn't even know people do that. I mean, in undergrad, I did undergrad. Yeah. yeah. So I'm like, Definitely in Nigeria, that's not a thing. But uh, like, yeah, yeah um, like... I should have done that more. Yeah, but I didn't know people. Do you know people used to do it? Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, I'm I actually... I've, I've probably done it once or twice, but I feel like I could have done it more because I probably can argue my way <laughs> into getting something. Yeah, you know, I probably should have done that more, but I didn't. I, I did it. I tried once with my chemistry professor, and by the time he said, Show me where, he just said, Talk about one question. I said, Cry, and I told him, Don't worry, and I walked out of his office. Larry's just like me. I cry about everything. <laughs> no, when it comes to school, school, school traumatized me. I won't lie. I don't think I cry about a lot of things, but school traumatized me so bad. Like, that's why like, I, I can understand where you're coming from, like, with that real passion of, like, you went through school. And it's like, what just happened? Like, school traumatized me. But that's another, that's mm-hmm. a conversation for another day. That's, that's <laughs> it. I, I, have, I have a support for teachers, though. Like, my granddad was a teacher, was a principal. My mom no, went nice. to school. 
I feel like some of the most influential people in my life are teachers. Like I can remember my economics teacher from mm-hmm. my school, Mrs. Adiamo, my agriculture teacher, Mrs. Bernard, uh, a Catholic, <laughs> Catholic studies teacher. That's interesting. And when I was an undergrad, a Catholic studies teacher, Jeffrey Borrell, what was his name? Like I can remember some, some distinct oh, names like that. People. And they're all teachers and they all kind of helped mm-hmm. me. They all kind of shaped my life as, as unique moments. So I do have a support for teachers. Like I feel like teachers are very, very important. And I actually want to be a teacher at some point in my life. I oh, want yeah. To, that makes sense. Let's go. <laughs> I want to do that because, because yeah, it's, it's, it's one of those things. Just the, the, the impact is, it's immeasurable. Like you actually don't know the impact. Like just, those names I just mentioned, they're probably somewhere. I have an idea. Probably just forgotten who I am, to be honest. But <laughs> the impact is kind of lives on. So. Yeah, anyone, anyone who is working in that line, like, have a great deal of respect for them. Yeah. Um, I mean, well, now, even as parents, I agree. I think now as parents, I actually, I find myself, like, thinking about that more than before. Before, it's like, yeah. these people traumatize me, I'm done. Like, anything in school, <laughs> I need a break. Like, I literally, after my undergrad, I took a break from school, and I'm like, Nobody talks to me about school again till further notice. <laughs> again. I will come back when I'm ready. And like, but yeah, you said something that actually like stood out for me saying, talking about how you got to do what you have to do, right? Like for the height you want to yeah. reach. And I'm like, nah, actually, I'll take that advice. But like, so now <laughs> I will consider school again. <laughs> but I'm like, I'm done. But then now as a parent, I can, I can see how I'm beginning to have like soft spot because teaching children, that's a calling ah. that's a calling like that's a calling not even a gift it's a calling <laughs> it is I agree with you <laughs> it's a calling it is for sure oh my god if you're not a patient person you probably will lose your mind <laughs> I agree with you I, I don't know how my parents do it both my parents are also teachers in Nigeria and oh it's just quite interesting and this is people people that are retired though this is not what they've been doing since they retired and they say what want to go to school and go and teach people deal with primary school and secondary school students I'm like y'all have a gift well done it's this is from above enjoy <laughs> do you do you think that's where you got it from hmm great question I I don't know I did not see them did I see them as teachers when I was oh well my mom has always taught French for the, since I knew her as a child like my mom wasn't a teacher even when she was working for the government she yeah. used to teach too I don't know if that's where I got because I never really thought too much about what they did but I just found myself loving teaching after I finished my when I during my master's yeah. I was like you know what this is what I want to do and uh, yeah kind of found myself all of three of us now mom dad myself <laughs> teaching my sisters are so different but yeah <laughs> That's nice. So last year I was in Montreal, we were in Montreal, and then I we cut up. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we cut up, and you were telling me how you had, your goal was to read fifty books. In oh, 20, you remember? In yeah. And at that point, I remember that you said you're on like book. This was probably May or June. I can't remember, but you said mm-hmm. you're on like book twenty-two or something like that. Something like that. You're kind of halfway done. <laughs> before the middle of the year and you finished you 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 made the goal right yes i did yeah you made the goal wow (laughs) let's pause that's not just something you just say and then just move on like we i mean like we should 50 books in a year 
is that's a lot. tremendous yeah that's, i need you rose in my life because we're not talking about like <laughs> these are proper books are like 300 page books these are like actual like proper, proper books right how do you do it it's just as simple as that how do you do it what's your process for for reading that that, that amount of books and why do you even bother <laughs> Oh more that's interesting oh first of all i don't see uh, the, the way you just said not least that's a lot of to me i feel like i need to do better because <laughs> I wait watch, wait wait, so wait I what did you say you need to do <laughs> i'm not even joking i like oh I've seen girls who read 15 books in a month 10 to 15 books a month what time do you guys have <laughs> That's well, that's the thing. So, when I think about these people that read this much of books, these are people that are just nine to fives or yeah. like they're just working or business owners and they just do just stuff. And I'm like, maybe you have a lot of time. But when I think about it, like, how do I read personally? Yeah. I realized that at first, when I started reading, I used to be a physical book girly, like always reading a physical book. Yeah. But I realized that no, there are better ways of doing this reading process. I yeah. sometimes I read with Kindle, but my biggest way of reading now. And especially 2022, how I was able to read more was audiobooks. So for me, when I go to the gym, the one hour, 30 minutes I'll spend in the gym, because I read in 1.5 or 2.0 2. speed, I can read a nine hour book in that one hour, in that one hour, 30 minutes, I read about three hours of it because it's in two times speed, depending on what kind of book it is or how big the book is. So when I go to the gym, I'm reading. When I, most times when I travel, I'm using my Kindle and I'm reading books. One the bad thing about me is I read different books at different times, meaning like I could be reading four, three, three to four books at the same time. So one physical, one audio, and one Kindle. So depending on the situation, if I'm going to the gym every day, there's one book for the gym. If I am traveling this month, next month, that particular book is only when I'm traveling, I'll read it. So it depends. If I'm commuting some commuting somewhere, I have a book that I'm reading. But like or when if I have a free time, I never. To be sincere, I don't think I ever have free time to read a physical book. Like right now, as I'm sitting down here, I literally have two books I'm supposed to be reading, but I've not been able to open them because they're physical. Sometimes I get physical books and just get the audio yeah. and listen to it most of the time. Do you understand? I could be washing play, I could be doing my laundry, and I'll be listening to a book. So that's how I try to meet up with all of this. Whatever free time I have, like if I find myself not doing anything. I just pick up a book and I'm reading it. And that's how I've been able to do it. And I also don't put pressure on myself. I also have reading slums a lot. I could read a book and it just keeps me in a moment where I'm like, I don't feel like reading the book. Or I start a book and it puts me in a, I don't feel like reading anymore. But also, I try as much as possible not to put myself under pressure. So someone really asked me this recently, like, how do I start reading? I'm like, just be, what do you like reading? Don't read a book because a better person is reading the book. Like me, I don't like self-help books. I don't like books. I don't like biographies. You have to be. You have to have a good biography for me to read it. And the only two biographies I've ever read that I loved, and I will never go back, is Will by Will Smith and Finding Me by Viola Davis. Those are the only two biographies I've ever read or autobiographies that made sense to me. Every that one I pick up, I drop almost immediately. I'm like, never mind. Or it takes me like a month or two months to finish. So I only read things that I enjoy reading. Because but one thing I realized in the world of today, so many people want to read what everybody's reading. You're reading yeah. how to change the world and how to. If you're not interested in this kind of things, you're not going to read it. That's true. It's only things exactly. That's what I tell people. Don't go and read the book because everybody's reading. Don't see somebody reading oh self help book that will change my life. Auntie, if you're not interested, uncle, if you're not interested, you're not going to be able to read it. You will sit on that book for three months. You will not go. You won't get halfway. You stick. 
Oh, thank you for that. Then I can stick to my books. You, he laughs at the books I read. Yeah, we yeah, people laugh different. at the books I read. Too. Yeah, he laughs at the books yeah. I read because <laughs> I, I ever since I was a child, I really love reading Christian books. I like Karen Kingsbury. I would stay up till three a.m. reading Karen exactly. Kingsbury, and then life happened. Myself falling off, and then when we started, we met, and I talk about reading Christian books. What did you tell me? Expose yourself. What did you tell me? <laughs> <laughs> what did you tell me? I can't remember. He was, I mean, it was a great point. He was trying to like open your mind up, like read other things. It's not only Christian. Oh. We can't, can't remember now. I mean, that's something I can say. But now here, but now here in Rose, I mean, reading is not just about like learning. It's like also like that happy place. Because now you're talking about yeah. like I remember the last book I read about Karen Kingsbury. It just brought so much joy back to me because I stayed up at night. I can't forget. I was in secondary school, like three a.m. I was reading. I was reading and crying. You people, God, that book dealt with me because <laughs> it was so real. Like, I'm like, how can people go through this? I had to force myself to go to bed because I'm to like, sleep. exactly, I need to take a break. So now it just like that advice just brought back that I'm going to go and pick up my Christian books. So please, if you have any please recommendation do. for me, Did, uh, I, I will. How do you track what you're reading? How do you track? Captain so Dubai? I use Goodreads. Okay. Oh okay. yeah, that's same. Yeah, Goodreads is a good app where if you want to read a book and you're not ready to read it, you just put it in a want to read. When you're reading a book, you put it on the reading or currently yeah. reading and you can update it every week or every day on where you have got into. So that's why I used to track my books for the year. And you can set your goal on the book on on the app too. Yeah. yeah. I'm current this twenty twenty three for me this year is sixty books. Oh. And I'm terrible I'm rightly I'm not in a good space. I literally am I just January and February I read nine books. Wow. March I'm struggling with about three or four books that are still open on different spaces. I'm like, what's going on? I have a book club meeting to, on Sunday, and the book was supposed to read. I literally I just I'm three percent in, and I'm like, today tomorrow I'll finish it. Oh, you do have a book club? Yo, yes. I I I'm How can not I me join? personally. I'm oh. a part of a I'm a part of a book club. It's not my book club. I'm part of a book club, and I can you can always join. We can talk about that after this for sure. Yeah, but do you ever think of? opening a book club like you you don't have to oh <laughs> everybody keeps asking me someone said recently that i should open like i don't know if i'm able to manage it i have too many things that i cannot push. I, like, I, I don't i don't like starting things i can't keep up with yeah but maybe in the future but not now exactly now okay I'll, i mean i'll ask you about your book club offline but yeah i think maybe that will okay. that will save my life i don't know if it works i mean and it helps yeah but right now life is crazy with so many responsibilities, mm. but I wouldn't mind. I agree. It's actually a hobby. Right? A yeah. And it would you. take me out of like the regular things, but I actually yeah. do want to because for the past two years, we've given ourselves reading goals and I've been falling short. Like last year, I think my reading goals, I, I started very small, like five. Was it last year or the year before? I was like, I would do five years, five books, sorry in one year just to pick myself back up and i think i did only one or two and i mean someone who say you tried but i felt bad because yeah i need to do better but i've always loved at least you read yeah yeah you can start you can start from you can start from what you love you can start from reading what you love then from there you begin to infiltrate little by little yeah. with other books don't completely just want to change because that's yeah. gonna be tough because you went, you went yeah. from thrillers to like romance, right? 
something like that. Yeah, exactly. I started with reading like adventure and detective thrillers yeah. thanks to my dad to reading romance. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but I still love those though. Yeah. Would you ever consider doing a true crime podcast? So right now you've been podcasting for a few years. Yeah. Would you ever consider pivoting from your current style to like a true crime podcast because you have a good podcast voice by the way i probably never said that oh thank you you have the voice of a podcaster <laughs> so yeah i would listen to a true crime podcast if it was hosted by you just saying uh, that's quite interesting the reason i don't know if i would ever and thank you very much for the compliment but i don't think i would ever do a true crime podcast because it's quite I've listened to a couple of episodes of true because my very good friend, she loves true crimes and she listens to it on YouTube. Or, I don't think she does podcast. She does the YouTube version. And like, it's just scary because it's like true stories. And I'm just like, it just makes me paranoid. All these kind of things make me paranoid. So I don't think I would ever do a true crime podcast though, but never say never. But in this moment, like right now, no, I don't think so. No, I think my first, the, one of the reasons is, First of all, I started podcasting because of COVID-19. COVID-19 was huge. And it was a time where there was nothing to do. Like everything was being done at home. And I needed like a, 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 a what do you call it now? Um, a platform to let out all those like boredom. Exactly like an outlet for all that boredom that I was experiencing and things that were going on in our lives. So podcasting for me, I enjoyed the space to talk about things and to share my opinion and to help people with things that people are not talking about, especially like life stuff. And I feel like there's a lot of, so many people, I've listened to some podcasts and things are very covered up. People talk about things from perspectives of just trying to look a certain way. But I talk about things just the way I feel about it, the way life is in general, like sharing experiences. And for me, like I said earlier, it's like a therapist session. <laughs> That's why I could do it on my own and just enjoy it. And there's some parts of my podcast that's like a time capsule for myself and my friends to look back on and see where we are at and where we're going to, basically. So, yeah, it's kind of fun for me. <laughs> and this conversation has also been lots of fun. Um, yeah, I know. Thank you, Rose, for coming on the show. It was so, so thank good to, to have you on. And then speaking of your podcast, if people want to listen to Rose speak a bit more and actually get to hear our podcast voice because it's pretty good. You should check out. You should listen to. It's called Words with that one lady. You can you can you can find it on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you listen to podcasts. And you can also check out some of our other work at www.thatonelady.wordpress.com or on YouTube at yeah. Words with one, that one lady. Exactly. Rose, thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Toby and Laird, for having me. I really appreciate it. Yeah, yeah, thank you for bringing back, hopefully, my love for books. Yes. <laughs> I'm glad. We're waiting for you to start the book club. That what? that I would I would be interested in. <laughs> Not going to We'll see how that goes. But we'll keep, we'll keep, I'll keep myself accountable and see if I ever do it. But yes, I'll sure let you guys know about it. Thanks, thanks everyone for listening thank you for being a part of the show this week you can leave a review or a rating for us wherever it is you're listening to this episode on you can check it out on instagram how does that sound podcast and have a good week thank you bye bye everyone